Good morning. How is everyone today? Awesome. My name is Justin Benedict, and my family and I are the missionaries in Costa Rica. And it is a, an honor to be here again this morning to worship the Lord with you and just experience his presence that is, that is in this place as we gather together. But it's amazing because his presence is with us always, right? Even throughout the, the entire week, we serve such an awesome God. It is such a privilege and an honor to serve him for who he is. So um, welcome this morning. And uh, we have about three weeks left that my family and I will be here. So it is a, a real pleasure for us to spend time with our family here again before we go back to where God has called us. And uh, everything truly is for his glory. Now today, we're going to be starting a new series um, called Rooted, and I get the honor to speak about worship. Worship is such a part of our lives, and has been a part of my life for so long. Um, it is a powerful, powerful thing in this life to be able to glorify God in the middle of all the chaos and lift up his name, the only name that is above every name, and that is secure and stable in all. So as we speak of worship this morning, um, it's important to understand that going through life with God is true fulfillment, okay? So having a relationship with God is going to satisfy you in every way. There isn't any part of you that will not be satisfied in this. Because he has designed us to need him in every part of our lives. So it's through our relationship with God that we have true fulfillment. And it's only because of his power working in us. So that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect in this life. Or that we don't have problems. What it does mean is we are satisfied in God first. So no matter what is going on around us, he's going to be glorified in it. Because he's doing a work in us. So it's apart from anything that we can do in ourselves to offer worship to God. Okay? So right away, that takes the pressure off of trying to be something or live up to something. Super important to recognize this. So as we came together and we, we had a time of worship, Uh-oh. There it is. Welcoming God into this place and, and an opportunity to offer worship unto his name in many different ways. So as we speak of worship today, it's important to understand what I'd like to explain is there are two parts to worship. So the first part is the part that everybody thinks of, music. And you would think that that would be the main thing that I would be speaking on today. But worship in music is an expression of what God is doing in us, that we can come together and worship him. Otherwise, we're just singing words, and that isn't worship. If it's not a part of what is going on in our hearts, then God isn't interested in what's coming out of our mouths or is on our lips. 
if it's not in our hearts. The word says, he even says to the Pharisees that they're, they're, the things that they were saying honored him that with their lips, but what is in their heart is far from him. So we need to examine that in ourselves. So worship in music is only a small part of worshiping God. Do we understand that today? So that's the first part, is being able to worship God in praise and worship in music. The second form of worship is where everything else falls under. The second form of worship is an actual, a life of worship. So everything else comes underneath this type of worship. And it is what we are truly rooted in, is that worship in your life is in your giving, in what you do with your time, in what you do in everything with your life. So that is the kind of worship that I want to speak of most today. It is a life offered to God out of obedience and the result of his power working in us. So first we have to be obedient in order to let God work in us. Because I don't know about you, but I don't live a flawless life. But when we trust God and his power at work in us, that is where he is glorified. Because as humans, we don't have the ability to honor God because we're selfish. We, it always comes down to, oh, how is this going to affect me? Right? That's the way we think. So a life of true worship will emanate into our habits, practices, disciplines, and every day. It's, it's a part of it. So if our life is about worshiping God, like saying, God, I'm available for you. Let me reword that then it is going to come out in even the habits and disciplines and everything that we do in our life because we're affected by God. So anything that you do affects your life, but whoever is working inside you will affect your walk and everything that you do every day. So it's powerful when we understand this, and that is where we will lead a life of worship. So if that affects everything in our life, it'll affect our thought patterns, our desires, and our goals in life, which is super important if we want to honor God in our lives. So it's not that any one person reaches a point where they're like, my life is only for God in every place, and I have no flaws in me. It's about his perfection working in us that drives us to want to worship him because of our gratitude and thanks that he saved us despite our imperfections. So that takes all of that weight that you are carrying and just removes it. Right now, that just makes me want to raise my hands and say glory to God because we don't have to carry the weight of, I, I need to live this way. I need to spend this much time reading or being in Bible studies or doing all this. The weight is gone. God can be glorified in our thoughts when we're driving down the road. He can be glorified in anything that we do. It says in the Bible to do all unto the glory of God, giving him glory in all, okay? So it, as we look at, at this, let's, let's uh, look at the book of James, chapter 1, verse 18. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, 
that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So the first thing we can notice is that he brought us forth. We didn't do anything. He's the one that brought us forth from what? From a life apart from God, the word says. That when we don't have God, we are living for ourselves. And when, when we live for ourselves in sin, that births, that births death, right? So desires bring sin and sin brings death. I don't want that in my life. And so we look at God bringing us forth and giving us life through the word of his truth, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, through his word. In the beginning, the Bible says, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So through Jesus Christ and his word in our hearts, already he's doing something. So he's bringing us forth in the first fruits. So now when I, was, when I read this scripture, I went, what are the first fruits? What does that really mean? You know, you think of of maybe living in this area, you're thinking of um, when there's production of fruit, right? In the right season. But the first fruit actually is an example of it in the Old Testament when the Jewish people would, would take their, their time, the time of the year where they offered sacrifices unto God, but not for their sins, but a sacrifice of gratitude, of thankfulness. And they would bring the different produce and the first part of the crop was to be given and offered to God as the first fruits. So if God is bringing us forth, he looks at us as the best, the first that he is calling out to make us who he wants us to be for him. Not for ourselves, it's for him. We get to benefit because of it, but it's all because of him in the gospel. So he chose to give us birth. He redeemed us, sanctified us as his children. When we know that sin brings forth death, God brings forth life alone, only in him. He brings forth life. So today, if there's someone sitting here who's like, I don't really know if I have a relationship with God. I'm, I'm looking. I want you to know that God has already brought you to this place because he's calling you. He has purpose for your life, and it's not in a religion. It's for him to use your life in a way that you never thought you could have a life that is satisfied. Because it isn't in anything around us. It isn't even in community. It's in Christ alone as the head and the body, everyone else around us, are all in unity, working together. That's, that's the ideal picture that God wants to portray. And he is glorified in that. So that is the, the greatest worship is when we can say, God, you're in control. Here I am. You, you work in me. Now, I know there's some people out there that look at themselves and go, God can't use me. I don't have any gifts. I don't even do anything very good. I have a very boring life. I just do everyday things, and I do work, and I go home, and I don't see how God can use me. Do you know that God uses you even in your work? He uses you in those moments when you see somebody that looks sad, and you think, I wonder what's wrong with them. That's God's compassion. What if you listen to that and say, I'm going to pray for that person? 
oh, God, you want me to speak to them? All of a sudden you feel in your heart. That's listening to the Holy Spirit. You see, God will be glorified in us if we're willing to be quiet, be still, it says in the word, and know that I am God. Be still sometimes in the middle of all the noise and say, God, I want to hear your spirit. Lead me. We've all done that where we spoke something before we've thought about it, and it comes out, and we're like, why did I say that? That, that was foolish. When we learn to step back and say, God, what do you want me to do in this? He's in control. We can't mess it up because he sees our hearts that we are willing. And he says, I will use you. And some of the most foolish things that I have thought were foolish in my life that I felt like God wanted me to do, I was like, I'm so going to regret this. This is crazy. I'm going to go talk to this person. And then God used it in a way that I could have never seen. That is an offering unto God with your life. And when we do that, that's when he is glorified. In James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So when we look at this scripture, the first thing it's saying is we have to lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness so that's all of the stuff that's bound up in us that we have as a human being. Because it's the truth. I mean, we're, we, we desire things for ourselves, what's best for ourselves many times. And truly, we only need to look at what God has for us because he knows best. So if we push that stuff out and say, God, you take them, show me how to live in a way that is honoring to you, and we receive the word with meekness. Meekness is humbleness, a readiness, and a teachable heart. We can all do that, right? We can all say, we can all say, you, you do what you want to do, God. Many times when there's something very difficult to do, we're happy to say to someone, you do it. I don't want to do this. You clean up that huge mess or you make this situation right. The amazing thing is, that's what God wants us to do with him. Isn't that incredible? So all of those things that are difficult, God wants us to give it to him and, and surrender it to him. You make it right, God. But the, the only catch in that is, is God might be asking you to step forward as he does what he's going to do because he is God. And that, it's super important because when God is rooted deep in our hearts, it will start to come out in so many ways in our lives. But are we willing to let go and say, God, I'm going to do what you want. You take this mess and you show me what to do with it. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So right away, the first thing we can see is not even done by us in righteousness. The Bible says that our righteous deeds that we think we're doing that are good are like filthy rags. You ever cleaned up something with a rag and wiped it down? You're like, oh, 
That's what our righteousness, that's what our goodness working in us is apart from God. Because it's still, we still have sin. So we need his righteousness to be at work in us. So right away we recognize his mercy and grace, which sets us up to desire to live out righteousness in worship in our lives. So how do we live out our life in worship? It's being available for God in all. We're not going to do it perfect. But when he's working, you know good's going to come out of it. Are we surrendered to accept this? So as we look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Be confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the first thing you can notice, there's no pressure in this because it doesn't say me who began a good work in me. It's he who began a good work in you. So he started the work in you. And it says he is going to complete it. You're not going to complete what you're trying to do to better yourself in your life. You can say I'm doing my best to be a good person. That's a great goal. But you're never going to accomplish it. I'm never going to accomplish it. Because the minute you think you're trying to make new choices for the new year, oh, I fell back again. Let God do what God wants to do in you because he knows us individually. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. Let's let him who began a good work in us do it until he completes it when, we, when our life is over and we stand before our Lord and our Savior. So that takes all the pressure off because it's not about our performance, but it's about our reliance on him. That's it. Everybody wants to rely on somebody. God is a God that we can rely on. We can't always rely on friends or family, but when we put our reliance on him alone, that is incredible because he has never failed me once and he will never fail you. He promises us this in his word. I will be with you always until the end. That's a promise from God. If you put all of your confidence in him, you have nothing to worry about, even in the most darkest times. Because he is the one that will lift you up. We can't lift ourselves out of those things. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in faith, as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. So this, this scripture is a powerful scripture because really out of this scripture, Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7, you can look at there are four scriptural elements for living a life of worship unto God in this scripture. So if you today say, I want to be rooted in Christ and let my life be offered to him, I want you to write down this scripture because this should be your prayer for today. So one more time, Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. So the first part as we break this scripture down is walk in him. So that means asking Jesus to go with you every day. So if you have a relationship with God, 
You don't have to be like, God, I forgot you at home. His spirit is inside you. He's already working in you. So wait a minute. Let me make this even more clear. You have God who created the heavens and the earth right here. That is powerful. The Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. Already I feel reassured. And that makes me want to give thanks and glorify God. Already, I want to walk in you, God. Take him with you when you're going with your friends. Take him with you when you're going to work. He's here. He's listening. But he's more than listening. He is available to lead you in all things. So if we walk in him, we are doing life with God. We are doing life with God in every part of it. Don't go on vacation without God. It may be fun to go look at these sites and and places that you've been able to go. It's all blessing, but he created it. And if you have a true relationship with God, he is with you. So go there going, God, what are you going to do on this trip? I don't know about you, but I, I never go on vacation without my Lord and my Savior. Every day, I want to be available for him. And when you're available for him every day, he will do things that you can't even imagine. In the mission field where we serve, the most incredible things that we see God do are when we never planned anything. It is the truth. We can plan out a church service, and we can plan out a great speaker, somebody to come and share amazing stories, or go see an event in a coliseum. But nothing compares to when God moves. Nothing can impact us more than when God is in the middle of something that he is doing. Sometimes the most simple things lead to the biggest transformations. God will be glorified in all. If we don't worship him, it says that the rocks and the hills and the trees will cry out. That is a powerful God. I don't know. I've never really seen a tree sing. But I believe it could happen because we serve a great God. I don't want a tree to take my place. I want to worship him because he created us with a voice to speak of his goodness, but also to sing of his goodness. That is worship. But what if my life is offered in worship to him? In everything that I do, isn't that a great, greater honor than if I just come and sing and focus for half an hour on God and then I go through my week and I don't even really think much of God because I'm so clouded in everything that I'm focused on. What if during the week I say, God, you're in the middle of it all. I don't even know how this schedule is going to come into being, into place that I'm going to accomplish this. But God, you're in the center of it. I glorify you right now. And I want you to be my strength. Lord, You give me wisdom in this. It says, ask, and he will give you wisdom generously. How many of you need wisdom? (laughs) I'm definitely not the smartest person on this earth. It's a miracle that I can even share with you because I used to be so nervous to stand in front of people. And that is why I can do it because I'm in reliance on him. I understand Paul when he says he comes to you with shaking and trembling. Not everybody can speak in front of people, but when we rely on God, we can do anything. 
by his strength, and he's glorified. I'm a fool without God. And that's why I want to use his word and handle it in a way that glorifies him because his word and his spirit is what's doing the work this morning. And he's being glorified in every one of you as you sit here. Even in the middle of misery, pain, suffering, God is in the middle of it. You know why? Because you have breath in you. And he created you knowing that you would go through those things. What happens if you say, God, I worship you in the lowest of lows? That is powerful. Because it's easy to worship God when all is good. But what about when all is bad? Can you still worship your Lord and your Savior? This life is a blink. The Bible says it's a vapor. We're here and we're gone. The older I get, the more I believe this. Because life is just passing by. I don't want to waste another day apart from him. So as I come back to those four scriptural elements, it was walk in him. Number two, be rooted and built up in him. A tree isn't going to stand if it doesn't have roots. We will not stand if we are not rooted in Jesus Christ. Religion won't hold us. Good works or doing good things is not going to hold us. But rooted in Jesus Christ alone, it says in the Bible that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus. So if we are rooted, we will then be built up in him as he is the cornerstone. He is the center of our foundation that holds the whole thing together. That we can stand as his temple, as his building, his structure that he created for his glory. Praise God for what he has built here in this place that we could gather here in this building. That is what God does is he builds up for his purpose. Now let God build what he wants to build in each of your lives individually because we are his church. We are the true church building. The third one is to be established in faith. If we're doubting, the Bible says we are tossed and blown by the wind. All over. And that's, that's very easy to do. But when we're walking in him and we're rooted in him and we're built up in him, then following that will be that we are established in faith. You, when you first believed by faith and you called upon God, you were saved. Because you believed and it wasn't of yourself. And today, if you have not called upon God... All you have to do is believe by faith that he has the power to save each and every one of us through what he did through Jesus Christ. And therefore, that'll come out in every part of our life as we are established in faith without doubting, with confidence in God alone. When we have confidence in God, things happen. He moves because he is a God that will not be shaken. Number four, Abounding in thanksgiving. If we are doing all four of these, it's definitely going to cause us to be in thanksgiving. Because we don't, I don't deserve to be saved. I've done too much that doesn't honor God. And that's the best part. There is nothing, the Bible says, that can separate you from the love of God. The love of God in Christ Jesus. It's difficult to give your life for somebody. But Jesus literally stepped in and said, 
I'm going to take your punishment you deserve. That is grace and mercy. That makes me live in thankfulness to God every day. I'm thankful that I have clothing. If you are here and you are clothed, praise God, everybody's clothed this morning. Then you have something to be thankful for. There are people who are living in complete destitute, apart from God, without clothing, without food, far greater in a house, a shelter. But we all have something to give thanks for. And not just because of those things, but even more. Because he called us from death to life. That we would be rooted in him in all. He is our foundation. So do you, do you see the picture that is being painted of worship? A life of worship comes because God is working in us. Not anything that we can do ourselves. So worship is the attitude and act of our obedience due to what God is doing in us. That is worship. It will come out in all. The joy of the Lord is our strength, it says in Nehemiah 8.10. So if we look at Webster's definition of worship, it would be to adore, idolize, esteem worthy, and be in reverence to. So we can do that to anything, even in a relationship to a spouse or somebody. You can put a person in that place. You can put objects in that place. You can put your goals in that place, your career in that place. But what happens if we put God in that place of true worship? Do we adore him? Do we idolize God as the only God of this universe, like the Bible says? Do we esteem him worthy of our praise and live in reverence to him only by God's help through the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we all fail and we walk away. When things get good, we forget, oh God, you've been with us this whole time. Sorry, I forgot about you. No. Make it your life to take God with you every day. He is the root of all. Nothing should come before God do we know who we are worshiping? We see this in the, in the word where Paul says, let me tell you who you are worshiping. Let me tell you who he is. Just like many, you go through life and you think you know you're worshiping God, but you aren't. Things come before him. Not even ministry or a church should come before God. If he is the core center, then it will be true worship. Because he is so good, there is nothing else but an opportunity for him to be glorified. Okay? We have to be willing to sacrifice. Oh, no, there's that word. Everybody hates the word sacrifice. You're going to have to make a sacrifice. But what if it's a living sacrifice? Let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or in some, your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, it's offering ourselves. That is the greatest worship we can offer to God beyond music. If our hearts are offered in worship to God, 
then when the music comes, he's going to be in the center of it all because he is the one being worshipped. Not the, the band that's playing well, not the way the lights look, or anything else. It will be only God alone that will be glorified. I've been in places where I, when I was in a rock band, that we did a concert and we were going to do worship. But the attention and the focus was on everything else. And you know what happened when the sound system died? Everything shut off. We were like, well, let's still, everybody's here. Let's still just play some worship. Easy to have distraction, right? In many things. But when we continued in worship, it didn't even matter that there wasn't a sound system because people were singing so loud they didn't care that we were playing instruments. Because all of the glory is unto God. There is power in worship music. It is powerful. When people are worshiping God, the enemy does not like it. The spiritual realm is real. But God is the one that wants to be in the center of our worship. It is powerful when God is in the center. So if we look at this, we have to look at what true worship is. Let's turn to the book of uh, John, chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. Jesus said to this woman at the well, as he's speaking to this Samaritan woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not spirit only, not truth only. Spirit and in truth. So, if there's power in, in worship and it changes the atmosphere around us when God is being glorified because in the spiritual realm, God is being lifted up, like it says in, in the Bible when it speaks of in Revelation, them all bowing down, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Quite a scene. What if we not only are worshiping God when you come to church, but also through your life, at home, in the car, everywhere that you go, saying, God, I'm a living sacrifice for you. Use me. It's not something to be fearful of. God will use you. He knows your weaknesses. Let those things become strong because of him. And he will be lifted up. So then when you come and you worship, he will be in the center of it all. And you will be like, I'm worshiping because I feel the presence of God because the Spirit of God is here in this place and he is moving. But it's because the Spirit of God is with me every day. His worship is going out in my words, my thoughts, everything that I do. But I'm also worshiping in truth because I know the truth of who God is. And he is my Lord and my Savior. And apart from him, I can do nothing in this life. If you worship only in spirit, there's going to be emotion. There's going to be confusion. I've been in places like that where people understand this, that, that God is spirit and they want him in this place, but they don't know who he truly is. They may not even have a correct relationship with God because it's all been just head knowledge of God is there and he's real and I have to follow these rules and be in part of this church. We do it this way. 
And so they worship in spirit, and they feel things that God is doing, but they don't know what to do with it because he's not the personal, not in a personal relationship with them. And it leads to an end of worship at the end of the service. It leads to chaos because other spirits also operate in those places. So let's not look to worship only in spirit, but also in truth. When we are grounded on the truth that is implanted in our hearts and spiritual worship is happening because God is spirit, he will be in the center of it all because we have the knowledge of who we are worshiping and it is not counterfeit because it is God himself. I have one last story to share here before closing. Sometimes when we serve God, we, we say we, we want to put a boundary in it. But when we're willing to say, God, whatever you have, not my will be done, but yours, you work, like I said, is the most powerful thing you can do. Don't compare yourself to others. Look at yourself and who God is and what he's doing in you right now. Can I offer my life in worship? Yes, because it's easy. It's like this. God, I'm available. My hands are open. I don't know how to do it. It's okay. He knows. He knows how to do it. It's that easy. Surrender. I give up. Giving him control. We were in Honduras. And we were in one of the most dangerous parts of Tegucigalpa, the capital. And we went there to help establish a Bible institute and make a connection with this institute with these pastors. And as we, it was 11 o'clock at night, and the Lord began to stir something in me. And I was like, God, why do I feel like I'm not supposed to just stay here and go to sleep? We were locked up in this church, and the pastor wouldn't even go help me park the car. He didn't want to go with me because he's like, I'm not going out there. I'm like, well, that makes me feel really comfortable. Go down and park where there's a guy that'll watch you, give him the money, explain everything. And I'm like, well, why don't you go with me? No, I'm not going out there. Oh, wonderful. I'm like, I'm like whitey here with the whitest skin of all, and I'm going to go walk down this street after I park the car. That's wonderful. And he doesn't even want to go, and he's in his own, own country. So here it is. I go park the car and come back. God stirs this in my heart. And I know what God's saying. I don't know why, but I feel like we're supposed to go to the Central Park. And I don't even know what we're going to go do. We had a sound system in the vehicle. We went to the park, drove there. And I'm like, there was taxis and a whole bunch of stuff going on. But it was dark. And if you know anything about Honduras, it's, one of the, it's like third most dangerous country in the world. You might not even know that. But in this park, not even the police normally will go in the park at night. Because it is so dangerous. God puts it on our heart. Go into the center of the park in the courtyard and start playing worship. So I was like, wow, this is, if this is what you want me to do, God, we'll do it. You go before us. So as we go, we ran an extension cord from our vehicle. We had, have a way to power the, the sound system. And I ran a really long, had some 100-foot extension cords into this park. We set up to play worship. And the police show up. I'm like, oh, no. They're like, what are you doing? And we're like, well, God put it on our hearts to come here and just play worship. And we want to give people hope that is only in God and share this, what the Bible says. And they're like, we were thinking they're going to shut us down. They're like, that's amazing. We're like, 
wow, praise God, they're not going to shut us down. They're like, let us be your security. Look at how God went before us. What if I said, God, that's too dangerous? So we went in there and we played worship. And as we began to play worship, and there was prostitutes, gang members, all kinds of people wandering around looking like, what is going on? We began to feel the heaviness in that place begin to lift and hearts open. And when I shared the truth that God put in my heart through his word, there was over 300 people that gave their hearts to the Lord that night in that park. And we passed out every Bible that we had. And God was glorified in it. Will God be glorified in your life? Because God doesn't give a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Be a vessel of worship to God every day. He will use you in ways that you won't even be able to imagine. Lord bless you.